Good afternoon. Welcome to That's Entertainment with Brenton and uh, Cheryl. And our guest, we've got a guest, a uh, fantastic guest, a um, friend of mine, uh, Tim Ferguson. Tim, can you hear me? I can hear you, Brenton. Hi, Cheryl. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know who Tim Ferguson is, shame on you for a start. But uh, now, Tim, you've been in the entertainment industry for, God, when did you start? It was before Doug Anthony All-Stars, yeah? 1892 was when it first began. Um, I saw a comedian called Mo at the um, Alfalfa Theatre in Melbourne, and I thought that could be for me. Yeah. But, you know, started, you know, in started our own theatre company, in fact, just because we couldn't get jobs with other theatre companies, so we started our own uh, in like 1982, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we're very enterprising young insects. Yeah. Um, as a lot of us uh, entertainers are. Um, but the, now, but you. And a lot aren't actually. I work with a lot of uh, new comedians and the, the, they've got two qualities that are really holding them back. And one is that they're lazy and the other is that they're stupid. And those two qualities can really inhibit your professional career. I try to explain it to them, but they're a bit too lazy and stupid to hear me. <laughs> now, um, let's talk. Let's start with a little bit about your career. So, you, uh, Doug Anthony All Stars. So, um, you actually started that over in England, is that right? We were buskers in Australia, mainly in Canberra and Sydney and Melbourne. And uh, uh, pretty soon we thought, oh, yeah, let's go over to Edinburgh. So I went to the Edinburgh Festival and everything happened from there. They put us on telly and, you know, away it went. Mm. It was, uh, uh, and I, you know, I teach comedy now. So I encourage certainly, you know, new comedians to busk on the street because it's a non-paying audience, which means you don't get heckled because you're doing it for free. Mm. And if you do get heckled, really, they are crossing a couple of social social boundaries and you get paid. But again, I refer to my lazy slash stupid comment before. Most younger comics are too lazy and stupid and probably a bit too proud to get out and do it on the streets. Uh, busking, that is. Yeah. Um, now, Doug Anthony All-Stars, uh, so the name Doug Anthony was a politician, I understand. Yes, apparently there was a politician by that same name. Uh, we've always remained vague about the origins of where we got the name, but certainly there was a politician at the time who uh, had a comb-over haircut and uh, was um, apparently, you know, people would say that's where you get the name from. But it could have been any of the other Doug Anthony's. Look in the uh, phone book if you can find one from that <laughs> time and you'll see there were a lot there of D Anthony's. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, now you were with, uh, you had, um, uh, what was his name? Fid uh, was it Fiddler? 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 F-I-D-L-E. Well, yeah, it's Fiddler because if Fidler. you say Richard Fiddler and you think about it, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of uncomfortable. Oops, oops. Uh, 
yet. Didn't think of that. Uh, but uh, we thought we'd help one of the little people, as they like to be called at the time. <laughs> I'm sure they have uh, other titles for themselves. Paul McDermott was also invited into the group because I think little people, you know, it's not a disability if you let it become one. Oh, that's right. Um, but uh, Paul McDermott joined later. He was uh, he joined after. Um, uh, oh, who was it? Robert Piper, who Robert worked Piper for, left. yeah, who worked at the UN as uh, uh, the number one guy for a guy you may have heard of, uh, William Jefferson Clinton. Oh wow! Uh, he was his representative at the UN. Well, it sounds oh wow, and you know, but then once you spend a few days with Bill, you start to realise he's just a you know he's just a guy who likes his grits. <laughs> Um, now, I want to talk about your books um, as well. I, I really want you to, to promote these today as well, if, if you want to, um, because I know you've written a series of books. You even put me onto some books when I, I messaged you once and I said, Tim, I want to write comedy into movies. Can you put me in the right direction? Because comedy is something I, I was never good at writing. I was always off-the-cuff comedy, but I could never write it. <laughs> and you put me into uh, onto your uh, cheeky monkey books or something. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a book if you're interested in writing sitcoms and uh, funny films or you know even sketches. Um, the cheeky monkey is for people who want to write narrative comedy, as it's called, which is comedy with story. So it helps you build characters. Uh, it helps make your stories funnier mm. from the get go. It's all based on what. Aristotle said, you know, nearly 3,000 years ago about comedy, and the rules haven't really changed. Everybody thinks they're inventing them until a nerd like me comes and goes, yeah, look, Aristophanes said that in his book, his play, The Wasps. So it's, um, and a lot of people, you know, Brenton will say, oh, my God, comedy, you know, it's a natural thing. It happens naturally. And, of course, it does if you've got 50 years to finally work out how it works. Or you can, you know, read a book like The Cheeky Monkey. It'll tell you. I'm writing a book uh, on stand-up comedy. So just to save time for people who are interested in getting into stand-up. Because lots of people are, but most people are, you know, wandering onto the stage blind and following instinct, which, you know, will get you there, but it takes a long, long time. Or you can actually work out, you know, how to write a joke. And uh, it doesn't make it easy, but it is a simple process. And like proposing marriage, simplicity is never a walk in the park. But at least you're a step ahead. Mm. Um, now, there was one book that I have recently read about. I haven't read it yet. But it was one book that uh, has grabbed my attention and I really want to get a copy of this and, uh, and read it. And it's simply called Book. Tell me about Book. Ah, yes, Book was uh, Doug Anthony Allstar's, our first book, uh, which is a, uh, well, it's just sort of a, a jumbled ragtag collection of vaguely interrelated stories full of uh, conspiracy theories before conspiracy theories were daggy. Um, 
back when conspiracy theories actually were cool because they were very dangerous. Uh, but now everybody's got one. Um, yeah, book, Das Book was uh, made by um, Alan and Unwin and uh, sold everywhere apart from Je- Germany and Japan where it was banned. Mm. I think it, so- it, it sold a hell of a lot of copies and it was uh, uh, very popular. Um and you've well, done- there's nothing like being banned. If something gets banned, everybody wants it. You oh, know, exactly. you ban a movie and everybody queues up going, I don't know, I hear it's French. <laughs> <laughs> Why else would you go see a French movie? I always wait until, you know, if the movie's good enough, they make it in English. Exactly. <laughs> um, it, was, it was like, because uh, I used to live in Melbourne. You're, you're in Melbourne or Sydney? I'm Sydney right now, but was in Melbourne for a long time. Yeah. A long time. Well, I, I lived in Melbourne until five years ago, and I know when um, uh, the Underbelly series came out, I was like, I want to see this. They showed a couple of episodes on TV, and then they, they stopped it because all the court cases were still going and everything. And as far as I know, it's still banned over there. But, you, you know, everyone in Melbourne wanted it so that, you know, because they couldn't get it there, they just wanted it, um, and you know it was easy enough to get because you just have to write to JB Hi-Fi in uh, Perth or uh, Sydney or, or somewhere else, you know, and and they'd send it over. But anyway, um, but no, you're right. As soon as it's banned, you want it. But um, I also I want to talk about. Um, oh, I am going to talk about your uh, involvement with MS and your. Can, you know your experience with MS. oh great because it's funny so yeah let's get on to that well soon. it's it's not funny but you what what really uh, impresses me is the fact that you you have continued you've not let it stop you and that's oh yeah but ms is funny if you've got it what are your choices you can sit in the corner and cry all day saying i wanted to be a professional basketball player or you can get on with life and get a sense of humor about it and most people with ms you know ignore it they don't usually don't even mention it yeah um because whatever it's doing to them is really quite obvious so it is kind of funny um i do a show you know about ms and it's a funny show you know because yeah what else are you going to do sit around and moan and what make a dramatic australian drama film oh god oh god that's all we need we need nitram except about ms please <laughs> but um you initially i think from what i've from what i've read of um your early days with MS, you uh, you didn't want anyone except for your immediate family, basically, to know about it. You kept it from everyone, and you were even doing Doug Anthony All Stars, I think, while you were you know in the early stages of it. Well, it was only after the All Stars when the symptoms had kind of come back, and they were very scary. It's called re- repeating remitting or relapsing remitting, which means it comes and it goes, you know, mm. like the fashions in um, in Fremantle. You know, they briefly turn up and then they go again. And so it would come and go, but I didn't know what it was. And being a young man, I assumed it was just I was drinking too much and partying too much. It was only in uh, 
God, a couple of years after the All-Stars that it happened again and I went and got an MRI. And only then did someone say, oh, my God, you got this thing. And then I, because the symptoms came and went, and they would be things like, you know, your eyes would go a bit crossed or your hand would be a bit numb or you'd walk with a bit of a limp. I think there's no point in freaking everybody out. I'm on commercial television mm. and there's nothing so shit scared as a television executive. So I just kept it to myself. Yeah. But uh, uh, then eventually when I started needing a walking stick, I got sick of people asking me why. What's wrong with your leg, mate? So I just thought, all right, I'll tell them. And there's nothing like telling people you've got MS to make them want to change topics. They're like, it's like holding a cat over a bucket of water. They will say anything just to get out of this discussion. Mm. I would give them long entailed descriptions of, of the symptoms and how it affects everybody. And uh, uh, women are usually the ones who are affected. And these are the age groups. And once you've pinned people to a wall and spoken to them for 10 minutes about MS, they never want to raise the topic again. Mm. It's funny to watch their little faces. Their blink rate, Brenton, their blink rate goes through the roof. Yeah. but Because um, our radio station, uh, IPL Radio, we, we talk about a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of... Um, uh, abilities and various abilities. Let's let's put it that way. Oh, because that's a I, bit adult. Do, yeah. do you include disabilities in that? Well, because it's a bit, you know, a disability is. Hey, I can't do something. But you. Ah, well. See, now there's that's an interesting thing. Is that people assume? In fact, I'll tell you the good news. The good news is that there is a a social tidal wave coming and it's going to wash itself crash into australia and america it's going to go over europe it's going to happen all around the world all through asia through mm -hmm. china and what it is is the realization by idiot employers greedy employers that they can do a lot worse than hire people with disabilities definitely uh, because there is always that assumption you know i got to hire someone who's say blind and they can get into the office with their dog and um, speak on the phones and they can use braille to type to people but you know what what could possibly go wrong and at the same time they'll be sitting next to an office full of young workers who are all shagging screaming partying turning up with grinding jaws on monday morning um, with presenting far bigger problems of laziness and stupidity then somebody who with a disability like blindness will commit to a job they get. Yeah. So a person with disabilities is actually a better bet for an employer. Um, and the ones who work it out are always the first ones to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, but of course we think, oh no, they're not able. So it's like a blind person is only able you know, the one thing they can't do is see. And, yeah, that's a big thing, but they can talk, they can type, they can argue, they can have ideas, they can problem solve, they can do anything 
someone else does, they'll just do it with more enthusiasm. Mm. Same thing like with a person who's completely deaf. Um, if you are running a company like Telstra, you just hire a bunch of deaf people to answer the phones in your complaints department. They just have to just occasionally go, oh, yes. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's the next wave. And if I can have a little rant, can I have a little rant, Brenton? Of course you can. Please go with it. And was that your co-host? I heard a giggle. I heard a woman yes, go. Yes, ah. yes that's, uh, that's Cheryl. Say hello, yeah, Cheryl. Cheryl. Hi, Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. Stand by. I'm going to do a rant and then I want to talk to you. <laughs> um, the rant is very simple uh, to anybody. And, of course, with a station like yours, there'll be lots of people, all kinds of people, um, from uh, all of the sexual spectrums, you know, L, which now comes first, I'm not quite sure, because it used to be G. I think there's a fight going on. L, G, B, which is bi, T for trans, Q, which is queer, which I think is everybody, um, especially the middle-aged white heteros. Don't tell me they're not queer. And if they aren't queer, what are they doing with that ping pong paddle in the bedroom? It don't get me started. LGBTQI, which of course is for intersex. These are people who are born, who have a congenital um, condition of one kind or another. So they can be everything up to and including, you know, uh, hermaphrodite. And of course there's A, which are the abstinent people or the anti uh, well, basically the anti-sex people who don't want to have sex, they're not really interested or they can take care of themselves using their own ping-pong paddle. <laughs> and all of these are great, and I've slept with all of them. Uh, some of them better than others, you know, but that's that's just the way the world works. Um, I've slept with all of them and it's great, and I heartily encourage them to march and to fight for all their rights because... You know, right-wing people are conservative and stupid, so it's worth fighting. Uh, but not only that, we have the wokeness, which, of course, is about racial identity, ethnic identity, and identities across the board. Now, I say a very simple thing. I just point out the fact that 20% of Australians, and therefore you imagine 20% of the world population, um, 20% of Australians are eligible for consideration by the National Disability Insurance Scheme. What that means is that 20% of Australians have either a physical disability, an acquired disability, uh, a mental illness, um, uh, an intellectual uh, illness or disability, and I'm probably missing one, and I apologise to those people who no doubt will send a very angry tweet. But 20% means that people with disabilities outnumber all of the LGBTQIAs put together. They outnumber any single ethnic or racial group in Australia. And yet, people with disabilities and their employment is not up for discussion. 
Where are the people on? Triple J. That's right. Triple J, the ABC radio, talking about giving jobs to young people with disabilities. They don't. They don't know that more than 50% of people with any one of those kinds of disabilities are chronically unemployed. Unemployed from birth until death. Mm. And if that's not a crisis, then I defy an asexual, abstinent person, lesbian person, gay person, bi, trans, or whatever they like to do in the bedroom or whatever they identify themselves as to come up with something better to march about. And that's the end of my rant. What do you think, Cheryl? I think you've got it right. I mean, there is more people with, you know, the I mean, yeah, disability is a ring, wrong word because, as you said, they... They're able to do stuff so that people should be able to pick that up um, and figure out what they can do and use what they can do, you know. Yes, it should be called disandadability. Yeah. Or something. Because most most of the time, like me, like I'm in a wheelchair, uh, my left arm is useless, largely useless. I'm in a wheelchair because my legs most of the time don't talk to me, but everything else works. Um, but you know, that means I can do what I did, which I've, I've directed movies, written TV. I teach around the world, uh, sometimes physically when the world is open, uh, and within five minutes, people forget about the wheelchair because I'm already doing whatever I'm supposed to do. And we just have to remember as a society that Having a disability is not the end of anything. I mean, look at the Australian of the Year, Dylan Alcott. Can you imagine playing tennis against that man? Let alone in a wheelchair, playing wheelchair tennis. I mean, when I first heard that, I thought it was a joke. And then it's like, oh, Jesus, he actually does that. Now, if he can do that, if the Paralympics can go ahead every four years... Surely people like him or people suffering, you know, things like depression, there's a lot of them out there, surely they can still be invited to contribute just like anyone else. And just like anyone else, you know, they'll have days where they say, I'm sorry, I can't come in today. And again, I refer you to young people who've had too much ice last night and probably shouldn't be allowed near the phone. (laughs) it's exciting isn't it cheryl all right so cheryl's handed me the the headphones back because we've only got one headphone plugged in i don't know where the other oh well that's what i like about this radio station (laughs) you know you cut it back to the bone and then you can really definitely really take what's going on now um for those of you for those of our listeners who don't fully understand what ms um, actually does. Can you explain what what happens? Can you explain the condition? Well, here's a funny thing, Cheryl and Brenton and dear, dear listener, is that if you ask a, uh, a neurologist, or as I did when neurologist said, well, you've got multiple sclerosis, and I said, how did that happen? He said, well, we, uh, <coughs> we, uh, uh, we don't know. Uh-huh. All right. And 
uh, is there a cure? Um, <clears throat> uh, well, uh, uh, no. <laughs> All right. And uh, so what are the symptoms? Uh, well, it's a very, 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 very long list because what happens with MS is at least they know that your autoimmune system, which takes care of, you know, flus and COVID and, um, you know, whatever, whatever virus is in your system, um, the autoimmune system is so active uh, and slightly panicked. It's a bit like, I don't know, a uh, Port Adelaide football fan. They're a bit panicked and they will lash out at anything, including roadsides, anything they don't understand. And what they, one of the things they don't understand uh, is they don't understand viruses, so they eat that, but they also discover this stuff called myelin, which is like the rubber tubing around every nerve in your central nervous system, your brain, your neck, and your spine. And so they attack that. And so it's a bit like if you did that to an electric cord, sometimes the electricity doesn't end up going where it's supposed to. So things go on the fritz. But the trouble is when it comes to predicting what it will do is that any part, anything that your body does uh, or indeed your brain does, can be affected by MS. So people get MS and just, they call it brain fog, but it's like, you know, it's like saying they're from Derby, you know. It's like, oh, you're from Derby. Are you? How are you going, Neville? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> or even worse, you know, parts of Broome where the hippies are. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, so when they say what are the symptoms, like it's, it is a long list because... It can involve all sorts of stuff, including turning you into a hippie from Broome. And if you're a hippie from Broome, oh, what am I kidding myself? They're not listening. <laughs> I might learn something. Uh, and um, but now you uh, you're a big advocate for for um, MS. You uh, you do a lot for the uh, MS Society, correct? Uh, no, not really. In fact, I've got no interest in people with MS. I know it sounds terrible, but that's only if you've got MS. I've got a lot more interest in the broader uh, community of people with mental, physical or acquired disabilities or, you know, uh, congenital born with disabilities. Mm. Um, I figure if I, if I did become a champion for MS, that would be a little bit self-serving. I think it's much, it's much more, what's the word they use on Triple J? Oh, yeah, worthy. It's much more worthy to go out of your way to take care of people um, with really no hope of uh, any of the help you're giving being returned in kind. Mm. So, like, you know, people with MS should go and try to help people without MS because there's plenty of people helping people with MS. Um, it's, it's why you're on the radio mm. because you guys could sit at home and go, yes, yes, and I just read this book and you could talk to people on the phone 
but you do it to help other people that you've never met. Yeah. New information and how about this band and how about this book? How about this new idea? And it's much the same. So, no, I got no interest in the MS people. And also they just make me feel a bit uncomfortable. (laughs) Okay. Um, Now, you mentioned before that you teach, you've... Um, you, you've taught comedy screenwriting at New York University, um, which I think is in Sydney. Is that right? Yeah, they have uh, the Tish initiative where they send uh, American students kind of elect and say, oh, I'd like to go to Sydney and, you know, study. Okay. So they're all American students. Um, and, uh, yeah, teaching young Americans is pretty well exactly the same as teaching young Australians. They think they know everything until I ask them to uh, write a joke. They just speak funny. (laughs) Yeah, write a joke about penguins, you have 60 seconds, and then it's the longest 60 seconds of their life. Yeah. Um, But you've also taught at the Screen Academy in Scotland, Sydney University, Victorian College of the Arts and Sydney Film School. I mean, they're very impressive. Those, uh... Well, yeah, but look, it's like Bill Clinton. They're impressive on the outside. Then when you get into it, really, you know. It's just another school. Well, teaching for NYU sounds fantastic, but they're just young Americans and they just want to know how to be funny. Um, the, uh, the real problem is, and the reason why I'm so busy with it is, that there aren't many people who teach comedy because most screenwriters actually aren't. They actually are not screenwriters and they're not capable of writing drama because they don't know the simple shit. And the simple shit is there are principles, there are hidden frameworks to comedy that uh, connect everything from The Office TV show to The Hangover movies to Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And they don't know this, which is why, certainly in Australia, I mean, it's why, it's why Australian movies, well, you know, have you seen Netram? I mean, honestly, have you seen it? Mm. It's the story of the mass murderer, Port Arthur mass murderer, Martin Bryant. And the thing that's supposed to make it good is it stops before the massacre okay. of 30 people, including children. And that's supposed to be a story. And that's supposed to be the best film of the year when it doesn't have the two things you need. You want to know what the two things are? Go on. Okay, the two things you need if you're going to write a drama are the two things, and you know this, Brenton, that you see in the symbol for drama, which is two masks. And one of them is crying, and that's, you know, Nitram. Um and too many Australian films, but the other the other mask is laughing. Yeah, and this has been around for twenty four hundred years, and somehow it's eluded the Australian screenwriting community. And they figure that drama and comedy are two different things, but Aristotle knew, and anybody with half a brain knows that there is no drama and there is no tragedy without a bit of comedy somewhere. Mm. Mm. Um, 
So, yeah, so I just go and get in their faces, get in their grills. And, you know, I do stuff with AFTAs, the Australian film, mm-hmm. television, radio, body language, Morse code, school. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how many times I tell them you are missing something. I just get a very, you know, I, I, people thank me for coming in and giving my little rant and then they go back to making their films of misery. Um, so it's good for me because I'm always employed because there are only, I only know four other teachers um, of comedy in Australia. Um, the trouble is they've all got jobs making comedy so they don't teach, whereas um, I don't sleep, so I make up for that time. Yeah. But that's got to be fixed. We'll fix up the disability employment thing first. But then the other thing is people have to, if they're going to write anything, engage with how do I find the humour here? Yeah. And I'll give you a tip. You just make a joke that hurts the bad guy. Yeah. And um, but uh, with your... um with, with all of your teaching and so forth, you know, again, you haven't let anything stop you from being able to do that, which is fantastic. I want to talk about um, some of your shows. I mean, you know, there was Doug Anthony All-Stars, but there was also Doug Anthony All-Stars Capital. So what's the difference oh, between yeah, the two? Oh, Capital. <laughs> I knew it was Capital. <laughs> I'm, I do apologise. Oh, that's okay. It's it's a you know it was a pun on you know Karl Marx's book Das Kapital. Of course, of course, nobody got it. Talk about shows that are ahead of their time. That was uh, great fun to make. I mean, it was hell to make, but it was exciting to make. But it was a sci-fi sitcom that took place in a submarine in space <laughs> after after history had come to an end as foretold by Francis Fukuyama. (laughs) (laughs) You can imagine. You can just imagine. So who's uh, who actually came up with the concept of a submarine in space, you know? Well, we were sitting backstage in London at the Donmar warehouse, I think, and, yeah, no, it was Donmar, and we were painting our own backdrops. And word came through from Ted Robinson, producer, you know, yes, I would be interested in making a sitcom. You got any ideas? And we'd been talking about Francis Fukuyama, who said that history was coming to a standstill and only recently has uh, come back into the media saying, obviously, uh, I didn't predict uh, 9-11 or Ukraine. So obviously history continues. And we were talking about that and we just thought, you know, as usual, we wanted to do sitcom our way. So we thought that using uh, stop frame animation, uh, puppetry, special effects, uh, live special effects, uh, lots of munitions, guns, explosions, God knows what, um, and also warping reality so that there was a forest on board uh, and there was a witch in the forest and it turned out to be, it was Norman Bates's mother, played by Michael Petroni. So there were just 
all this grab bag of ideas. It didn't entirely make sense, but it was certainly, well, it was certainly funny, <laughs> which I guess, but it didn't, it wasn't like Seinfeld, you know, Tim Paul and Richard move into a group house, you know, it wasn't yeah. anything like that. It was a high concept. Uh, Young people today, uh, I would not recommend that they watch Das Kapital, D-A-A-S, Kapital with a K, because they're too young and stupid to understand just how many risks we were when we were young and stupid were mm. being taken. Yeah. Um, now, there was another TV show that you were involved in, um, and that was Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. I thought you were going to say the Today Show, which was my high point. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. Well, it's hard to explain again, isn't it, was the idea you don't forget your toothbrush because if you win the big prize, we will put you in a limo, take you to the airport, and you'll fly to an amazing destination. And they were uh, In the meantime, we just rob things from people's houses. <laughs> and... and- they were actually they were going on international flights. They were going on domestic. What what was the uh, one or the other? So you would go to either Las Vegas, way or Lean Gatha, <laughs> or you'd go to um, you know uh, oh I don't know somewhere France or Fremantle. You know if you lost, you go to Fremantle, which is okay. Fremantle's beautiful. But it's not quite as good as friends. We give you a ton of money and off you go. Yeah. Uh, and but it was all mainly about you know surprises and saying, "Wow, Cheryl, do you recognise this dog?" And you'd be like, "Oh my God, that's my dog." Well, your dog is here. Like we'd kidnap, we'd kidnap Cheryl's dog, and it was just like, you know, now I'm going to ask you questions, or you know, if the dog. You know, goes for the biscuit on the left, you'll win ten thousand dollars. If the dog goes for the biscuit on the right, oh, you only win fifty cents. <laughs> but I played golf with food. We would steal people's cars and offer to <laughs> offer them money to blow the hell out of it in a uh, live. It was all live. Blow the hell out of it in a car park. You can't do TV segments that are about blowing shit up anymore, which is a great shame. And it was always it was always fun. You know, they'd, we'd get, steal their crappy Mazda and then fill it with so much dynamite that when it blew, it was seriously, like, could be heard for miles. It was it was actually a really good show. Do you remember it, Cheryl? I think I do. I think I yeah. won on it was It was a great show. I think it won... Logie Award or several Logie Awards or something. Um, I, I think uh, well, you don't have to do much to win a Logie, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, got the Logie, but you don't have to do much. You just have to be vaguely entertaining and buy a lot of copies of TV Week. <laughs> um, I think that uh, um, I think Greg Evans started over in England or something, but uh, uh, it, I think his. Um, his version of the show uh, didn't work out so well, but you actually how, how long did you do it for? Uh, we did it for a year, and then we just had to go to sleep, and we'd spent all of Kerry Packer's money, and he found out because <laughs> we spent money. I remember being at the first production meeting, 
And the producer wrote, spend, spend, spend on the whiteboard and said, that's how we get out of trouble with this show. <laughs> so it was, uh, but yeah, yeah, it was great being, you know, last of the big spenders. And it was, uh, you know, taking television and looking at it and seeing what it can really do. I think uh, it's a shame that free-to-air television has kind of, well, it doesn't have enough money, but I think it's, um, the stakes are too high with new ideas, yeah. which is understandable. And so they just go for, I think, you know, Channel 9's making McLeod's daughters, 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 um, you know, because, well, it's a safe bet. And if you're executive, why put your neck on the block? But it was a great, it, you know, it was a good time where you could take television turn it upside down and say, what can we do? And can we do it live? Mm. Doing comedy live on TV is totally different to a spruced up, tidied, you know, shot five times before a studio audience over eight hours and then edited experience. When you've got comedians going live, you can see the terror in their eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean... Live entertainment is fantastic. Um, I, I do a lot of live theatre. I, I, I was a magician for 25 years and I was uh, obviously doing live shows and, uh, you know, putting live comedy into that. And it is. It's nerve-wracking, but it is exhilarating at the same time. Um, well, yeah, particularly you're, like, you just say, oh, I did a bit of magic. You did tricks that you'd invented yourself. And oh, yeah. There's so much that can go horribly, terribly, embarrassingly wrong, mm -hmm. but that's why you do it. That's why the audience is tuning in. I don't know why. I don't know why they've forgotten this. I guess they don't want to upset whoever the hell it yeah. is. I mean, I, I remember when I was a magician. One one show I was doing, um, and uh, I had a flash pot, um, which had gunpowder in it. And um, uh -oh. yeah, and and it was an electric match uh, trigger, um, <laughs> and I'm leaning over and I'm still packing it um, behind my table because I'm the whole idea of this particular show was there was going to be this big puff of smoke and all of a sudden I'm standing there. The organizer comes over to me and he leans over to me and starts talking to me and he bumps the electric match. Goes off in, in my face. I've burnt my eyebrows. I've scorched my hair. You know, I'm, I'm looking like, um, uh, you know, that politician, Doug Anthony, with, with comb over and everything. And just, you know, my face is now black, is, is blacker than the black minstrels. Um, and, you know, and it was, um, yeah, uh, I had to jump straight into my show because... I didn't have any more gunpowder to load into the thing. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, five minute early start to the show. But um, things can go wrong when you're doing live shows. But it's so much fun. It is. Oh you know, yeah, you know, it's it's television with adrenaline. Exactly. I don't know. It's uh, there's an interesting thing going on usually, and you haven't asked me, and I think that's a testimony to. Um, your abilities and the fact that you are in show business. Uh, a lot of journalists will say, oh, so what can you get away with now that you can get away with before? Um, and my answer is nothing's changed. You can get away with anything. Yeah. Um, audiences 
turn up to comedians. Like there are over 500 acts at the Melbourne Comedy Festival right now and hundreds of them will be there at um, Fringe World and all that stuff in in Perth soon. Um, they all turn up and if you ask them what they're after, they want to see comedy that crosses the line, hmm. uh, comedy that's too close to the edge. They want to see the risky stuff. They want to see that because that's the essence of comedy. There is no safe comedy. Um, there, uh, Chris Rock refuses to play to university students because he said that they're just incapable of relaxing. Um, but if you look at offensive comedy, uh, say on people like Anthony Jezelnik on his Netflix special, there's a full audience of 3,000 people there and everybody's laughing. So I think that the idea that comedians uh, should bite their tongues or not cover certain topics is bullshit because they are and nobody's walking out. Yeah. Jimmy Carr's special, um, His Dark Material, is not full or doesn't show audience members, you know, making their ways to the exits. Again, he's got three, 4,000 people all laughing like drains. So it's important, important to know the difference is, the important thing is, if you are writing, say, stand-up comedy, um, is to be sure of what is your intention for a joke? Like, what are you really saying? Yeah. And if you are really saying something that, you know, makes sense, that you're happy to stand in a bar or go on, uh, go on, you know, this radio show and defend, um, if, it, if you clearly haven't designed it just to hurt people's feelings, then it's perfectly fine. So you're in, it's about intent and impact yeah. at the moment. Uh, you know, everybody's worried about the impact. This makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, then fuck off is my response. Sorry, I use the word off. <laughs> um, it makes you feel uncomfortable. This is comedy. What are you doing here? It's like getting into a shark tank and saying, oh, I didn't know they would bite. You know, comedy is about, you know, a limited number of people on stage taking huge risks, yeah. bounding past conventions, causing trouble, um, asking big questions about life, not just telling bullshit, making stupid observations about, oh, going to Weldy when I was stoned. You know, people like uh, Kirsty Webeck, um, like uh, Sam Simmons, who go on stage and they're, they're pushing society. Yeah. Um, and if you don't want that to happen, then just go around the corner to a local drama. So my my next show I'm writing at the moment, the working title is Offensive. It's called Offensive. Because I figure that'll get people in, you know. <laughs> they know that that's what I write. Well, I mean, you, you just have to look at uh, shows like uh, Jackass and things like that that have been on TV and, and um, uh, they've had, what, three movies and been extremely popular. Uh, you know, um, yes, just... young men behaving stupidly. It's, yeah. you know, why do people like Ricky Gervais opening to the Golden Globes? 
It's not because it makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Those actors out there are crapping themselves when he walks on stage. Yeah. Um, and it's what we want. And Ricky's trick, I read an interview where he said, really, when I walk on stage for the Golden Globes, I just want my jokes to represent what people are saying at home watching the TV. Yeah. Well, that- uh, when you think about it that way, like he's not saying anything that we wouldn't all say if we had the time. Yeah. Comedy is far more free than the media expects. If you're writing comedy and you want it to be safe, then get out of the way because you will be run over and comedy demands, as George Carlin said, a comedian must find out where the line is and cross it immediately. Yeah. Well, um you know, this you, you've just mentioned Ricky Gervais and um, you know celebrity roast comedy, and of course, that's a very big topic at the moment in well, news, social media, everything um, is uh, what happened at the Oscars uh, just the other day. Um, now, I mean, I myself, I understand celebrity roast comedy has been around for you know since the days of dean martin you know he used to have dean martin celebrity roast and they used to go above and beyond that they used to go further than um uh, saying oh you know jada i love you um can't wait to see gi jane too you know i mean okay um she's got a a, a condition i can't pronounce what's alopecia thank you um that, now you know why I've got Cheryl here. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like a drag queen. Alopecia. <laughs> Good alopecia. Yeah, alopecia. But it should be said that Chris Rock didn't know this. All he knew was that... That she was bald. Jada was turning up and she'd shaven her hair, which is, you know, quite fashionable. And so he just made a comment about that, about G.I. Jane, which is a great movie in which... Demi Moore. Uh, Demi Moore looked beautiful with yeah. shaven hair. It's just that, you know, Will Smith, dare I say it, a Scientologist, um, uh, th- laughed, then realised, oh, hang on, there's been an impact. Yeah. And then thought he would get up and fix that problem. But yeah, because he, he laughed at it and then his, his wife gave him the stink eye and he got I mean... You know, Will Smith was way out of line. And we're going to be talking about that. Um, Cheryl and I are going to be talking about that after uh, after our interview um, because there's a lot I want to talk about that. You know, this is what my show's about and I am not going to be holding prisoners. Um, you know, and uh, it's, yeah, it, his attitude was completely disgusting and, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, what kind of guy goes and slaps another guy for something he said, even Jim Carrey said, they're just words. You can shout, you can argue, you can say, I will we'll have a shouting argument after the show. Yeah. But there's no point, no point in getting up and slapping comedians. No. You can't knock sense into a comedian. They'll always come back. Funnily enough, Chris Rock's world show, uh, world tour, is selling like hotcakes and you'll be able to buy tickets. So make sure you go and buy a ticket and support the guy who got slapped yeah. for making really quite a benign joke. It, it They're was... calling alopecia a disability, which as a person with a disability, I find offensive on her behalf yeah. and mine. Yeah. 
it's it, it's a condition. It's it's not yeah. a disability because it doesn't stop her from from uh, doing anything. She still has full function of her her body. It's just yeah. Um, yeah. There goes the Shirley Temple haircut. Well, you know, I yeah. I got rid Very of mine days ago. <laughs> Um, and uh, now, uh, you, you've done shows though um, where you've made fun of your own situation. Carry a big stick, for example. Um, you know, and how do you find uh, your audiences? Do they um, do they uh, respect? The situation, or do they? Because I've, I've, I have heard of people saying to there, there was a comedian on um, America's Got Talent where he had a really bad stutter. He got hit with a, a football or something, or a baseball or something, and it, ca- it caused him to have a really bad. He was a great comedian. I don't know if you ever saw it. He was a great comedian, and um, he said that uh, people would say to him, "Oh, you shouldn't be making fun of um, people with." this situation, this condition. Um, and Steady Eddie, who I, I, I don't, haven't heard of from Steady Eddie for a long time. I don't, don't know what his situation is at the moment. He's still but, going. Um, but he used to, of course, he would do his comedy on his um, uh, condition as well. Um, but people would say you shouldn't do that. What's your opinion? Do you think you should, you should or you shouldn't? Oh, if you've got something, if you are something, if your identity is something or other, then it's, if you're a comedian, it's your job to make fun of it, to make light of it, to provide perspective on things that scare other people. Yeah. I, I would guarantee that people complaining about a comedian making jokes about a certain condition don't actually have that condition. Mm. They may have a friend who has it. Or they may just be snooty busybodies who should, you know, find something else to do. Yeah. Um, the fact is, but again, it's like, what is your intent with a joke? Um, what are you trying to say with it? Uh, it's made easier if you actually have the condition. But even then, I mean, Doug Anthony Allstars used to make jokes. There was a thing at the end of the show. I think it was Paul who would say, now we've all had fun and games here tonight, but don't forget there are conditions out there that might affect you. Um, multiple sclerosis, very terrible, so just watch out for that one. Yeah. Um, if, if your intent is justifiable, then say whatever you like. There is no topic that can't be covered so long as you cover it in the right way. Yeah. yeah. Um, you could even, you know, talk about Ukraine right now. It's probably deserves a bit of time to pass because time helps. But in 10 years, uh, will people still be uppity about Ukraine? Um, at the moment, it's a hot topic. And there are only comedians like uh, Scottish uh, guy Jerry Sadowitz who can get away with it because that's what people buy their tickets for. Yeah. But, you know, if drama can talk about it, then comedy can talk about it. You just find the way to talk about it. I talk about, you know, what it's like to be um, tall, dark, handsome and wearing a nappy. You know, it's not as bad as you think because 
It means you stay on the dance floor until you pick someone up as opposed to other people who have to keep going off to the loo and rushing back and, oh, no, she's gone. Mm. Oh, no, that handsome guy's gone. You know, you wear a nappy, you're there all night. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, and we laugh, but it really it's, you know, looking at wearing a nappy and, you know, the intent is it's not as bad as you think. There are plenty of people, yeah. uh, plenty of women who have to wear poise, it's called. I mean, really, poise, they call it, but it's for light bladder leakage, which, you know, even young women can experience. So what? You know, you make fun of it. You make light of it. So add a different perspective, like actually it's better to wear poise. Life is easier and more enjoyable and you can hang around on the dance floor way longer than those other cows. <laughs> it's, uh, so it's, yeah, it's what are you going to say with it? Um, I've never had anybody complain. I wish they would, although I did have people occasionally walk out, but I think that it's just, uh, it's always after a joke where you go, was that the joke? Jeez. What's wrong with that one? Yeah. But sometimes they just get bored and leave. Uh, um, so what's what's next for, for you? What uh, besides your teaching, what's coming up? What's what, what are you what are you doing? What can we promote for you? Tell me what you're doing so we can promote. All right. Oh, well, uh, I will be coming to Perth. I would say fantastic. So we can finally have that beer we talked about some time ago. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, it will have gone flat. Maybe we'll have to buy a new one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'll be bringing uh, offensive the new show to Perth. Um, I imagine to next year's uh, World Fringe World. Is that mm -hmm. what it's called? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, the Fringe World. How offensive! I played it twice. Uh, but also, I've, I've got to finish this how to write stand up book, and it's killing me because I'm. It's like trying to. It's like trying to explain acrobatics without mentioning the word acrobat. It's difficult, but, uh, and it's got to be simple, so simple, it's got to be thin, because otherwise, you know, what young person's going to read a big, thick book? Um, and to make it thin, it's got to be boiled down, so I've got to do that. And uh, Mark Gracie and I are working on our next two movies, and I think that's enough. But in the meantime, what you could promote Cheryl and Brenton, is people can read my political satire every week in, uh, it's called thenewdaily.com.au, uh, which is a free newspaper. Oh, okay. Wendy Harmon's calling me. How about that? How I'll cool. say hello to Wendy. <laughs> I will. It's a free newspaper. I do every Saturday um, a political satire where I boil down the week's events, fake news you can trust, um, the Ferguson Report it's called. Okay. Um, so, yeah, get on to that one, folks, because it's a really good newspaper. It's not right-wing, it's not left-wing. In fact, it has no wings at all. So what's, um, the, what's, what's, what's the link again? What's it called? Uh, it's called thenewdaily.com.au. The new daily D A I L Y, yeah, and it's uh, it's got all sorts of great writers. I mean, Michelle Grattan writes for it. Michael Pascoe regularly. 
um, all the big opinion column mm-hmm. writers and, yeah, once a week an idiot like me going, hey, the Prime Minister, blah, blah. Yeah. And you've got, um, uh, and, and you said about offensive coming out next year. Um, and I, well, yeah, I hope it's offensive. I will do my very best. Well, I hope so too. If it's not, I'll be very disappointed. You realise that? I know. If you, if, if you walk out unoffended, it's like, well, you know, there we go. I'll tweet <laughs> about that. I went to see Offensive and I wasn't at all. Now, how can someone get your, your books? Um, how can we get your cheeky monkey books oh, and all the rest of it? If you go to Booktopia, you'll be able to find uh, my autobiography, which is called Carry a Big Stick, and also the Cheeky Monkey Writing Narrative Comedy yeah, um, is also on Booktopia, um, but but hurry now, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah yeah grab grab the if you want to read my uh, funny opinions about getting MS, having MS, and and rolling past MS in a in such an inspiring fashion, then carry a big stick is for you. Or if you know someone who's in a tight corner and needs a bit of a bit of a laugh but also you know a bit of inspiration then carry a big stick is yeah. designed to do that otherwise learn how to write comedy and save yourself a lot of time in a real job fantastic um tim i know you've got wendy harmer is trying to contact you so i, I know she never does or maybe she wants you to, to open her show for us or, or something um uh, but Tim, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, and uh, um, you know we will chat some more on Facebook, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll catch up. We we were supposed to catch up once before when you came out to to Perth, and unfortunately, I was not able to to be there for for some reason. Um, but I would love to when you come when you do come to Perth. Let's get you physically on the show. Let's get, let's sit down here. We'll, we'll do a, and we'll get photos together. And you know, I'll make a million by selling them. Uh, <laughs> a, million. a million. That's pesos, but it adds up. <laughs> but no, we, we will definitely catch up when you when you come over to Perth. Okay. Um, you bet, Brenton. And, Thanks and, for having me, and thank you, uh, Cheryl. You've done a great job, Cheryl. Look, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, Tim. And um, uh, you know, again, um, folks, go to thenewdaily.com.au um, and read his 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 blogs. Go to Booktopia, buy Tim's books, um, and uh, catch up with uh, Tim next next year when he comes out for, uh, uh, for uh, to the Fringe Festival to do Offensive. Tim, again, thank you so much. Um, tell Wendy I need to get her on the show. <laughs> okay. Well, good luck to both of you. Go get them. Don't take, yeah, maybe for an answer. <laughs> IPL Radio rocks. I uh, will tell all my friends to get on it. Uh, thank um, you so much, Tim. Thank you. All uh, right. And that was Tim Ferguson. All right. Uh, we're going to... Uh, we're going to play that song that we started at the start of the show, and then we'll uh, uh, then we'll come back and we'll talk about the Oscars. All right, awesome. we'll be back very shortly. <laughs> 